real quick before we dive into this episode of the podcast. Be sure to grab your free PDF copies of my latest books at frugal.show forward slash free. Now on to the show. Know what really sells your product or service? It's not marketing or ads. It's you, your blog, your social feeds, your podcast. These are all ways we try to share ourselves and our value and build trust with an audience. But what if you could go even further? What if you could connect with potential clients or customers in a way that's even more personal, more engaging, more effective? That's where webinars come in. Hosting a live lesson, product showcase, or Q&A session is the best way to share yourself and prove yourself to an audience. But wait, you're thinking, aren't webinars a giant pain? Yes. Yes, they are, but not with Webinar Ninja. Webinar Ninja has one job, to make webinars easy for you. It's the user-friendliest software ever created for webinars, so you can focus on your audience, not the tech. Here's the best part. You can use Webinar Ninja absolutely free. Just head to webinarninja.com forward slash Sarah, where you can sign up for Webinar Ninja's new free plan. Share yourself, prove yourself, Earn the trust that creates customers and inspires loyalty. Head to WebinarNinja.com forward slash Sarah and sign up today. Welcome to the Frugalpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah St. John. And my guest today is the founder of Canopy Management, which is a full-service Amazon management agency. He is the leading strategist in Amazon pay-per-click advertising. Welcome, Brian R. Johnson. Hi there. Thanks for having me. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and story and history, how you got into Amazon? My Amazon journey started about six years ago. I actually have about 14 years in e-commerce experience, both selling products and doing pretty much every kind of online business I could think of growing up. So it was always a draw. I always knew I was an entrepreneur, but I always, uh, I spent about 20 years in corporate 500 world. And when I finally turned my back on it, I was very happy. <laughs> Stress levels went way down, but I also worked twice as much in order to continue to grow. 14 years in e-commerce, last six years on Amazon channel specifically. And about the last five focusing specifically on Amazon advertising. So that's something I hyper specialized in. Normally I was a generalist when it came to my businesses and education, but this time I actually specialized in one thing because it was a blue ocean opportunity. Nobody else was teaching anything. Amazon's training was horrible and nobody had courses or software or could even tell you what was the right thing to do or not. And so out of my own desperation, I created my own community and here's what that ends up doing. When you start creating your own community and saying like, oh, I can tell you because I already learned that all of a sudden you get more and more people who come to you and say, okay, you've got the answer. It's like, oh, dang, I've got to get the answer. I don't have the answer. I've got to go get it. And after a while of doing that enough years, you get your 10,000 hours in, you become an expert at it. It's kind of a trial by fire because somebody's always watching. Somebody's always testing you. Somebody's always challenging you. By far, if you can handle it, that is a very, that's immersion. That's a fast way of growing into your space and becoming an authority if that's what you want to do. So then what does canopy management do specifically? Like, I guess you help manage Amazon sellers. Yeah. So their brands sell on Amazon. So Amazon sells products on Amazon, but then also you've got sellers who can sell their own product lines. They can develop their own product lines. They can sell 
on Amazon and Amazon offers different types of on Amazon and off Amazon advertising options in order to better promote a product. This is very common among those who start a brand for the first time and sell a brand new product that they manufacture and they source and they ship to an Amazon warehouse near you and they try to sell it, but then they, they put their product in among millions of other products on Amazon. How do you stand out? How do you get noticed? Advertising is one way of doing that. So the agency basically take over all the advertising and marketing for a brand selling on the Amazon sales channel. And we help them get visible. We help them convert better. We help them scale their sale, both through advertising and organic ranking, you know, some of the different ways of basically getting your product shown better on Amazon. And that continues to move up the chain until the point where they're ready for some of the off Amazon advertising. And so what are the different ways people can make money on Amazon? I mean, I know that you can self-publish books, which I've done through Amazon. You can drop ship, I guess, through Amazon. You could white or private label through Amazon. There are different ones. So there are, and I, I'll try to avoid some of the industry terminology, but you've got things like wholesale. You have like a major, major manufacturer, like Adidas or something like that, that they manufacture, they sell brick and mortar retail all day long. They've got their own direct consumer online stores. And then they also sell directly to Amazon and Amazon in turn takes that inventory and then sells it on the Amazon sites. So that would be more of the, the wholesale side of things or the, what they call like one P or manufacturer, basically working directly with Amazon wholesale actually technically is more of somebody sources a product that somebody else manufactures and they grab, they get a hold of a batch of that product, thousand units or something like that. And then they either send it to an Amazon warehouse or they ship it themselves from their own warehouse, which is an option too. So that would be more of the wholesale thing, but where it's not their own product. What you're saying as far as like private label, private label is typically a brand where somebody creates their own product manufactured and then they source that product from whatever country, you know, United States ideally, but from whatever country they're getting it from. And then they can, again, they can either ship to an Amazon warehouse, let Amazon worry about logistics, or they can ship it themselves from their own warehouse. You mentioned a couple of other ones, things like KDP, which is like Kindle book publishing. You've got things like uh, Merch by Amazon, which is creating t-shirts and those kinds of things where you basically create your own designs. There's also things like custom. So there's a lot of different models. Plus there's affiliate. If you simply just have a content site, for instance, all you do is you've got an audience you're an influencer, maybe you don't want to sell a product, but you certainly want, if you refer somebody and say, Hey, here's a great product over on Amazon, you get a commission. That's the affiliate model. And probably a lot of online uh, entrepreneurs have started with some kind of affiliate model in their, in their career at some point. Yeah, I do that as well. Like if I have someone on the show who has a book, for example, and I'll put their book in the show notes, but it'll be with my Amazon affiliate link. So right. yeah. And Anyone who's getting started in affiliate marketing, I think that's a good way to start. Although, I mean, the payouts aren't very much, but yeah, you're, you're not getting rich off of affiliate. No. And I actually, I was listening to a podcast, I think it was the other day where they were saying that they're kind of afraid that Amazon's going to do away with the affiliate program in the next year. I don't know. Cause they keep dropping the commissions. Well, they keep, yeah, they keep dropping the commission for, for some models that make sense. I mean, it's kind of like the same thing YouTube moved to. They said, it's like, look, you've got to be just a massive influencer with this huge audience that you've built out in order to make it lucrative. Really. You're not making your money off of the affiliate commissions. You're making it off of some other business model. So if, if you're an entrepreneur and you're exclusively just relying on affiliate commissions, 
the writings on the wall. You actually need to come up with other streams of income in there. I know in the Amazon space, for instance, three companies, I had created a full training, professional training course. I had created a SaaS product, a software for automating the advertising on Amazon. And of course, the advertising agency, those back in the day when I first growing up as an entrepreneur, I never even considered it's like I could run three big companies at the same time. It's feasible. It's not easy, but it's feasible, especially when they blend together and they overlap and they cross promote. It's a lot easier for those to join together than having three completely disparate companies, for instance. Yeah. And I've been kind of curious about that merch by Amazon. So you, like you could have a design made in Fiverr or whatever, and then put it up on Amazon and do they, Yeah, they actually print it and ship it and all that. It's print on demand. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, print on demand is basically when, when somebody orders it, they print it, you know? And so it's yeah. basically, they, it's just, it's a one-off. It's almost like a custom order. And so what you get is you get millions of different t-shirt designs out there. Somebody goes and buys your design. So really you have to be really good about social engineering and really understanding what's in demand and what people want. That amazingly enough is that there's a lot of designs that are frankly very controversial that still are allowed to sell on Amazon. And so it is interesting to see the plethora of designs that are out there, but really you have to be in the business of constantly testing new designs. It's not a case where you're just going to go out to Fiverr and say like, Hey, create me a design. I've got an idea for a few things. That's great. But ultimately, if you're going to make a business out of it, then you should be creating the 30 days in a month. You know, you better be coming out with 30 new designs every single month and constantly testing. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of pace you have to do in order to really make it get to the, the five, six, seven figures a year in revenue, which was fully possible on Amazon. We work a lot of the clients that canopy management works with are they're doing six to seven figures just in product sales. So it, it is a massive channel with a huge number of consumers on that, which is something that most Shopify site owners, they won't achieve, but Shopify has got a lot more control of things like your audience and the way you communicate to them and all the customizations you can do. So you've got a lot more control, but you have to create your own traffic, mm -hmm. you know, in order to get there. Yeah, I think that's the advantage of Amazon when someone wants to start some kind of e-commerce business and they're thinking about starting their own little shop. I mean, like you said, you do have more customization and all this stuff, but the traffic is kind of an issue. What do you find to be the most profitable Amazon business models or types of products that you sell? Easily private label. There's plenty of people who start out just because they don't want the work of having to or they, they lack the experience experience the knowledge in order to source their own products and have things manufactured and invest a huge amount of money. And so there's quite a few who start out on a small scale in like retail arbitrage or online arbitrage. And that's simply where you're going out and you're finding some pack of a product or something like that, that can, that you can basically buy from a local retail store, 10 units, hundred units, something like that. And then you can basically resell it. And so that's kind of an inexpensive, low risk way of getting your feet wet in selling product on Amazon. But probably the most lucrative where you're going to have the higher margins and more consistent results year over year is definitely going to be private label where you create your own product, have it manufactured with your brand name and you sell it and you create the message to your target audience. Okay, that makes sense. And then as far as SEO, if you're on Amazon, some of that probably is kind of taken care of for you in a way, but I guess you have to... At a cost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amazon yeah. will take... Generally, we, we look at it as thirds. There's usually a, a third of our, of the selling price goes into sourcing the product as in 
having the product manufactured and then having it shipped to wherever you need to distribute it from a warehouse, Amazon warehouse or, or your own warehouse or your own living room, if that's what you choose to do more of, which is more of the eBay model as far as from your own living room, which I've done that. So that's the first third. Another third usually goes into Amazon fees, especially if you're doing like say FBA, which is fulfillment by Amazon's own warehouses. That's usually the better way to go because Amazon has created this whole prime membership, instant gratification with two, three day shipping. It's really easy. It's highly trusted. The conversion rates are higher on Amazon. The shipping is instantaneous. I can get it very quickly. And so it's got a high appeal for consumers. But Amazon's going to basically say like, yeah, all my fees together, you're taking another third. And then what you're walking away as a consumer is that last third. As a seller, that's what you're walking away with is that last third. So if you are targeting like say 20 to 30% margin, that's pretty normal. But the big key with the Amazon sales channel compared to a uh, Shopify or some other e-commerce platform, which I've also sold plenty on is the difference is usually like on a direct consumer site, like a, a branded, oh, branded site would probably be, if you're on like a Nike store site, for instance, that's obviously going to have a higher conversion rate, right? But on a generic brand, that's not very well known that's selling their own product from a Shopify site. If you hit a 5% conversion rate, you're doing well. On Amazon, if you had a 5% conversion rate, you're doing really bad. You should be up in the 15, 20% conversion rate on Amazon because of that implied trust that comes with the Amazon space. So there's a cost, but there's definitely benefits. Traffic and conversion rate are, are much higher. And then I imagine like whatever description you put in or summary also is beneficial as far as people finding your product because the thing with Amazon is there's so many things on there like how are they gonna if they're searching something in the search box on Amazon how are they gonna find your thing unless they put in the exact if it's a book for example they put it in the exact wording or something like that so it is a search engine it is a big search engine that is obviously e-commerce platform so they basically have both sides of the picture here it used to be that just like any other search engine that you'd basically need to do SEO where you're, you know, the search engine optimization, basically where you are intentionally putting in terminology and phrases and keywords in order to get the search engine to see your listing. Amazon has developed artificial intelligence, machine learning for years. They've had that available and it's gotten really smart. So what used to be, you know, just a few years ago, it used to be a best practice of just like any other search engine like Google is where you're trying to basically stuff in words in order to get picked up and seen and listed by the search engine. Amazon already knows who your target audience is, what product you're selling and what you're relevant to. You don't actually have to tell it anymore. You still have to put it in the right department, you know, the right category. You still have to have, you know, some obvious things as far as some kind of a main search term in your title so that shoppers recognize, oh yeah, this is actually similar to the product. But these days, a lot of what I teach and I do live workshops and that kind of stuff on it is really speaking to the benefits, what's in it for me to the consumer in all the different content pieces, images, video, title, description, bullet points, feature bullet points. You really have to be talking to the consumer and, Hey, I understand your problem. We've solved the problem. Here's what you're going to get out of owning this product. It's not simply like a list of specifications and stuffed keywords. Like it was even just a couple of years ago, even it's definitely has evolved so that the better job you do at focusing in on your target audience and speaking to them, the more engagement or clicks that you get through to your listing, the more conversion and more orders you get from your listing. Mm, okay. So that's the big push now is 
how do you properly position both in advertising, but also how do you properly optimize your product, each of your product listings to really speak to your target, specific target audience? Okay. Uh, and then as far as advertising within Amazon, maybe it depends on what type of product you're selling. Cause I know when I was selling books, there were like two options on how to advertise paid advertising within Amazon. But in general, what are different ways to advertise? And do you find that advertising within Amazon versus outside of Amazon is more bang for your buck, I guess? So as far as the different advertising types that you can do on Amazon, there's a couple of different things. Actually, there's about 30 placements that we can actually do on Amazon's native advertising. So Amazon actually has two ad platforms. They're on Amazon advertising and they're off Amazon advertising. Off Amazon is like retargeting, remarketing type of ads that follow you around on different Amazon partnered or owned sites, right? Domains. The on Amazon advertising, there are I won't go into too much detail on this, but there's three different types of ad types that you can build that target things like that, where you let Amazon make the choice as far as like where the ad is being shown. And that can be in, if somebody does a, a keyword search, there's going to be search results and you can have ads on that page. That can include just simply just showing a product. It can show a video, you know, maybe a, a brand, you know, branded video that, that shows up. There are, so there's different assets, different types of ads that can display on the search results inside of each product detail page, basically where a product is sold. You can have, you know, ads they're showing, you know, they show a product, it can show a brand name, it can show a brand video. It can show, like I said, there's a bunch of different ones that you can, that you can show to kind of showcase your product or your brand to shoppers who are currently on somebody else's product detail page on their product page. Now, of course, they can do the same thing back to you. So there's both an offense and defensive strategy that you can do on this, but you can target things. You can let on Amazon choose. You can target specific keyword phrases. You can with different kinds of match types, which is common among most, you know, pay-per-click type of advertising platforms. You can target other products, whether those are direct competitors. You can cross-market your own products in your advertising. You can target products that are in line with your target audience that may not necessarily even be your own products. You can kind of build your market share and get out to uh, a bigger piece of your audience who some of it's kind of like the, you know, the impulse aisle, you know, the impulse checkout stand at a grocery store, for instance, like you didn't realize you need it until you're standing there waiting to check out with your product. And I go, Oh, I need this. I forgot about mm -hmm. it. You know, so it's more of an impulse buy. You can also do categories, entire cat, you know, you can just say like, I'm going to shotgun and say, advertise this entire category. And each one of those, there are different Amazon continues to add on year over year. They continue to add on more detail and uh, options for us to choose from, not only for how specific the search was, but you know, the keyword search was by the shopper. It could be, is the product that you're trying to run an ad on an above average rating or below average rating is the pricing much higher, much lower. Does it have prime shipping or does not have prime shipping? You can run ads that target audience lifestyle. They're, they're in this part of the country or in this age group, those kinds of things. So it continues to get more and more evolved and more complex. But the way I see it, the way my team sees it is everything new that they in is a new, it's a new opportunity in order to, it's that blue ocean opportunity where most other sellers, brands, products on selling on Amazon will be slow to take advantage of those. So early adopters, that's that early bird gets the worm kind of thing where early adopters definitely get a competitive advantage. The second platform, Amazon display, uh, demand side platform, what they call DSP, 
is generally for brands that are selling at least $100,000 a month on Amazon or bigger. Not that that's a minimum requirement, we just find that it works best because then you're going off of Amazon, your conversion rates are lower, your click-through from consumers is lower, but it gives you a number of options. It's more advanced demographic and psychographic type of targeting that you would have on some other ad platforms. You have the ability to attract a shopper back who maybe purchased your product previously, and now you're introducing a new version or a different color. You could even run ads and say, hey, you know what? You didn't buy my product or even better, you didn't buy my competitor's product. Come back and look at my listing. It's a better alternative. There's a huge amount of options that brands can take advantage of. And it's not like you do 100%. You do what is appropriate for your product niche and... The more competitive it is, the more testing you've got to do to make sure it's like, okay, I, I can't run all the ads. I can't run all 30 ad type placements, but these six seem to work for my product. You had mentioned Prime. I, a lot of times when I'm searching for something and I'm trying to decide between different products, I click on Prime as kind of one of the things to narrow down. So anything <laughs> that's Prime, that's actually something that's in an Amazon warehouse, I guess. It can be both a warehouse or your own warehouse. The difference is there's a high, Amazon has got some big rules when it comes to this kind of stuff. Prime is an example of that, where you could have your own private warehouse that ships out on your behalf. However, to be qualified as Prime shipping, you have to be able to ship seven days a week and be able to deliver within two or three days. And so that can be pretty expensive for an independent warehouse to have a seven day operation. Most warehouses are five day operation. They're not seven day operation. You had mentioned like rankings. What are some good ways to rank? So ranking on Amazon is usually one of its primary drivers. Now there's a bunch of different things that influence like any platform. There's a bunch of different things that influence ranking or where a product shows up in search results. Ranking on Amazon is primarily led by just the number of units that you move each day. Now, if you sell a $10 product, you're likely going to move a lot more units than you're going to be than if you sell a $100 product. However, it is relative to your specific subcategory, your product niche that you're in. So if everybody sells a $100 product, then you're within the norm. You're, the, the speed or the velocity that you're selling units is probably the same as what others are. Things can influence the speed at which you sell. Price is certainly is one of them. And I don't recommend dropping your price. I recommend showcasing or emphasizing the benefit and the value of the product that you're trying to sell. Talk to your consumer, you know, actually tell them what's in it for them if they buy your product, even if your product's $20 more expensive than somebody else's. So you're trying to increase the conversion rate, which is a big focus of an agency like ours is how do you first increase the conversion rate? Because that's going to make things more profitable overall. It's going to increase the sales velocity that influences things like keyword ranking for your rank results. So a number of things is just, but I would say lead with, you've got number of units that you sell, the conversion rate that you sell at. In other words, uh, you know, you get all this traffic, but is it actually converting, you know, quickly? And then of course, social proof also contributes to conversion rate. Things like, do you have five-star reviews? Do you have five reviews versus 5,000 reviews for your product. You know, what do people say? What are, what is highlighted in the top two or three reviews that Amazon shows out of those 5,000? Are they positive or are they negative? You know, all these things can influence, create either doubt or confusion to a shopper and ultimately kicks them off. It's the same thing with any e-commerce platform. If you sell a product online, if at any point you or some other factor introduces doubt or confusion, 
they're going to bounce. They're going to move on. They're going to keep looking because they're just not sure. Yeah. And you had mentioned reviews. That was another thing I was going to ask about. What are some tips as far as getting reviews? Because like with my books on Amazon, I think I have like six reviews. Well, each one has about five or six. And yeah, it's hard to get reviews. Usually what we recommend to our clients is Amazon has gotten a lot of scrutiny about its review system and a lot of criticism in both social media and the press, as far as, you know, how it's been manipulated. Somebody basically hacked a database and exposed the fact that there were about 20 big brands selling on Amazon in the electronic space that they could basically show the trail of them manipulating reviews by essentially what they call incentivizing reviews, saying like, I'm going to give you something if you give me a five-star review, which is an absolute against terms of service on Amazon. Amazon had no choice because they got a bunch of heat. Congressmen were notified and TV stations were notified and everything, right? So that's, that's how you get things done on Amazon is put some pressure on them socially. And across those 20 brands of electronic, big electronic manufacturers, Amazon had to remove them. And that was hundreds of millions of dollars each month in revenue on Amazon. And Amazon was forced to kick them off because of social pressure. In order, you know, like, are we actually, are we pay, playing favoritism? They don't want to seem like they're playing favoritism, but sometimes they absolutely are. But this time they got caught and they got showcased and they basically had to adapt to it. But reviews has come down to not simply not incentivizing, not saying, Hey, can you give me a five-star review? But it really comes down to if you sell a product and you ship a product, you can talk to your shopper through things that you put into your packaging, for instance. And again, you don't want to have card inserts to say, Hey, you know what? I'm going to give you a free gift or something like that, or pay you in order to give me a five-star review that again, of course you get caught and you're, you're off the platform. If you take the time as a brand to start a conversation with your consumer, that's the thing that most lazy brands won't do. It's like, cause it takes more work. It's more customer service you, when you actually start that conversation and actually talk to them and actually care about their experience and have that conversation, they're naturally going to see that in the experience and the follow-up that they get. It's not something like, Hey, we hope you like it. Can you give us a review? No, it's not the right conversation. It's more of a case of, is there anything? Do you need any kind of support? Did you see this video on how to use this? Did you know that there was this warranty registration you can get to make sure if anything goes wrong that you're covered? Educating the consumer of how much you're going to bend over backwards as a brand to support your product. That will be evident in the reviews that you get. Not easy to do on books though, <laughs> or t-shirts. It's more of a case of if you ship a book, Hey, join my Facebook community or my LinkedIn group, or whatever the case is of people who are fans of this book, who want to learn more and, and see my new material that I'm putting out. That would be probably a good way. And then every once in a while you can say, Hey, you know what? It would be really helpful if some of you who bought my book on Amazon would go out there and actually leave a review. It really helped me a lot. Because if they care about, if you care about them, they're going to care about you. And then if you ask for their participation, then you'll get some of them mm -hmm. that will actually do it. But you have to start that conversation right from the product. And if it's a book, it's got to be probably be a printed page somewhere <laughs> that says, hey, come out and join my community. Yeah. <laughs> I, at the end of my books, I do have something about if you enjoy this book, feel free to leave a review or something like that. And at the end of my podcast, I do the same thing. I don't know how many reviews actually happen from that, but it doesn't hurt. Well, you can also engage too. somebody who sells a makeup, a beauty product, for instance, they're saying, you know, what? I'm going to have a private training session with a, I don't know the terminology cosmetologist or whatever, you know, and we're going to go through this technique using this product. For those of you who have led review for us, I'm going to invite you to be in this private session. 
that thing can also be like, if you have some kind of expertise that you carried forward in your book, then, you know, maybe it's like, I'm going to do a private Q and A session, you know, ask me anything for, for everybody who's left a review. Mm -hmm. Those are kind of the ways to incense up. Now, can you mm -hmm. police that? No, but you're kind of saying like, Hey, do me a favor and I'll get you in this closed secret room that I'm going to do. And you can fire away questions and we can have a conversation directly. I guess it's just, you can't pay someone for a review or maybe even offer like a gift card or something that has money involved, but something Definitely not. Yeah. Nor can Amazon generally says like, you can ask for an on unbiased, honest review. You can, at no way can you say, Hey, I need to give me at least a four or five star review. Now there's some companies out there who have actually set up call centers and will actually call the customers and say, and have that conversation. Well, it's kind of hard to report a conversation, a private conversation, a phone call. People game the system, you know, especially the larger brands that, you know, can afford to do a call center, not the independent seller or, you know, a book author, for instance. But at the same time, you know, maybe it's one of those things where, you know, you do, depending on a, a book publisher, maybe you do an ask me anything or a Q&A or, hey, here's a new update. I want to give us something that's not in the book that I want to give you a new fresh update on. Join me live on this date. And then in that conversation, it's like, you know what? Can I have as many of you possible go out and just leave with you? Do me a favor, you know, folks, come on, give me, give me some love here. I'm, I'm here for you. Give me some love over here. Cause that's actually going to help quite a bit and help build our community so we can have bigger discussions and I can do mm -hmm. this again in the future. Tit for tat, you know, it's a, it's a, you know, just help me support trying to come in and say, Hey, do, do something for me and I'll give you something back. It's more of a case of I've given you a bunch of value. You already love my product. You already love my book. I'm giving you a live Q and a session, maybe on social media. Do me a favor. Let's see how many of us can get out there and, and leave a review. In fact, I'm going to do a drawing or something. You, you, you could incentivize it that way, but you probably shouldn't need to. They just want the chance to have that conversation. Say, so, you know, I did have one question. What about this thing here? Or what new piece of information or new technique can you tell me about? Mm -hmm. that? Those are some good tips and, and strategies and creative ways to hopefully get more but, reviews and whatnot. One of the last things I want to ask about, I noticed this on your website somewhere, it, something about golden nugget keywords. What does that mean? There's two different things. One is there's some terminology that I use regarding gold panning campaigns, but there's also the, I actually did for a fundraising for Operation Underground Railroad, phenomenal charitable group that basically goes out and essentially hunts down abducted kids in other countries and then brings them back home phenomenal organization independent of any government but we actually did this whole thing where it was the golden nuggets promotion for this charity and so we created these you know everybody who was an expert in the field participated and we basically said okay what are your golden nuggets so it could be one or the other it could be the golden nuggets for that charitable event or it could be my gold panning my gold panning techniques have to do with creating ad campaigns on Amazon, which are primarily low bid, low cost per click or low bid keywords or product ads or category ads or videos that are designed to essentially the way that I frame those is your competitors won't always run ads. They run out of ad budget, they run out of stock. And so their advertising stops. And so as long as you've got this low level set of ad campaigns that always run at a lower bid, you know, you're not very competitive, there's going to be different times of the day, different times of the week, different times of the month, year, whatever, that your ads are actually going to show. 
And usually they're going to show at a very low cost. And so your return on ad spend is huge. It's not going to blow up your sales and it's not something you launch with, but at the same time, it's very profitable from an ad campaign strategy. So that is one of the things I do teach publicly is set up these base campaigns. And I can tell you is that I've coached over 20,000 brands in my career selling on Amazon. And I would say maybe 5% actually use these techniques, even though it works phenomenally well. That's just one example of something. Very few actually take the time and the effort to implement things like this. It's kind of the nature of Amazon and, and how much competition is on there is also you got a lot of weak competition on there that there's a lot of ways to work around them. Yeah, I think that was probably what it was that I was inquiring about. That's interesting. Awesome. <laughs> well, I appreciate your time today. And if people want to learn more, they can go to canopymanagement.com. I'll also have show notes at thesarahstjohn.com forward slash Brian R. Johnson. And was there anything else that you wanted to go over that we hadn't yet? No, I would say that probably just for, you know, there's a lot of different e-commerce uh, entrepreneurs out there and some of them are selling exclusively on things like Shopify or other e-commerce channels. And just a lack of understanding shouldn't be a reason to be in other sales channels. There's plenty of information out there that's available on YouTube and you know, my own material regarding advertising and product positioning, it is such a huge monster of a traffic platform that if you do sell a product and you're not selling it on Amazon, this is the year to reconsider that and say, okay, maybe I need to add something on and, and, and take some time to mm. get past the learning curve. So if, it is, if, if nothing else, I mean, say you have a Shopify store, maybe put one of your products on Amazon and compare and contrast, which one are you making more money on? Try it out. Be sure to grab your free copy of my list of 27 tools, resources, and software programs I use to run my businesses on a tight budget. You can get it at thesarahstjohn.com forward slash 27 tools. That's T-H-E-S-A-R-A-H. S-T-J-O-H-N dot com forward slash 27 tools. Are you a frugalpreneur looking to connect with like-minded individuals? Join our community on Slack, connect with fellow listeners, share your thoughts on episodes, engage in meaningful discussions, including money-saving tips and entrepreneurial insights, and help shape the future of the Frugalpreneur podcast. Plus, you can submit your questions in written or audio form to be featured on the show. Let's build a supportive space together. Join us now at frugal.show forward slash slack. See you on the inside.